0: Chapter sixteen of the Riddle of the Frozen Flame by Mary E Hanshoe and Thomas W. Hanshu This Librivox recording is in the public domain. Chapter sixteen Trapped You damn skulking liar Merriton leapt forward suddenly, and it was with difficulty that Cleek could restrain him from seizing the butler round the throat gently gently my friend interposed cleek as he neatly caught merriton's upthrown arm it won't help you you know to attack a possible witness we've got to hear what this man says to know whether he's speaking the truth or not and we've got to go into his evidence as clearly as we go into yours you're perfectly right doctor i am a policeman "'and I'm down here for the express purpose of investigating this appalling affair. "'The expression of your face so plainly said "'what right has he to go meddling in another man's affairs like this "'that I was obliged to confess the fact for the sake of my self-respect. "'My friend here, Mr. Lake, is working with me.' "'At this he gave Borkins a keen, searching look.' "'and saw in the man's impassive countenance that this was no news to him. "'Now then, my man, speak out. "'You tell us you heard that revolver shot when your master fired it from his bedroom. "'Where are your quarters?' "'On the other side of the house, sir,' returned Borkins, flushing a trifle. "'But I was up in me dressing-gown as I'd somehow thought that something was amiss.' "'I'd heard the quarrel that had taken place between Sir Nigel and poor Mr. Wynne, "'and I'd heard him go out and slam the door behind him, "'so I was keeping me ears peeled, as you might say.' "'I see. Doing a bit of eavesdropping, eh?' asked Cleek, "'and was rewarded by an angry look from under the man's dark brows "'and a sudden tightening of the lines about his mouth. "'And what then?' "'I kept about first in the bathroom and then in the hall, "'keeping my ears open, "'for I'd an idea that one day things would come to a head between them. "'Sir Nigel had taken Mr. Wynne's girl and—' "'Close your lying mouth, you vile beast!' "'spat out Merriton vehemently. "'And don't you dare to mention her name, "'or I'll stop you forever from speaking, whether I hang or not.' "'Borkins looked at Cleek,' "'and his look quite plainly conveyed the meaning that he wished the detective "'to notice how violent Sir Nigel could be on occasions. "'But if Cleek saw this he paid not the slightest heed. "'Speak as briefly as you can, please, and give as little offence. "'he cut in in a sharp tone, and Borkins resumed. "'At last I saw Sir Nigel and the doctor and Mr. West come up the corridor together.' I heard em bid each other good night, saw the doctor go into his room, and Mr. West return to the smoking-room, and heard Sir Nigel's key turn in his lock. After that there was silence for a bit, and all I ears was his moving about and muttering to himself as though he was angry about something. Then, just as I was a-going back to my own room, I heard the pistol shot, and nips back again. I heard him say, "Got you, you devil!" And then, without waiting for anything else, I runs down to the servants' hall, which is directly below the smoking room where the other gentlemen were talking and smoking. I peers out of the window upward, for it's a half basement, as perhaps you've noticed, sir. And there, in the light of the moon, I see Mister Wynne's figure crouched down against the gravel of the front path. "'and making funny sorts of noises. "'And then, all of a sudden, he went still as a dead man, "'and he was a dead man. "'With that I flies to me own room frightened half out of me wits, "'for I'm a peace loving person and easily scared, I'm afraid. "'And then I locks myself in, saying over and over to myself the words, He's done it. He's done it at last. He's murdered, Mr. Wynne, he has. And that's all I have to say, sir. In the damn sight too much, too, you liar! Threw in Merriton furiously, his face convulsed with passion, the veins on his temples standing out like whipcords. Why, the whole story's a fake! And if it were true. "'Tell me how I could get Wynne's body out of the way so quickly, "'and without anyone hearing me, "'when every man in that smoking-room, from their own words "'and from those of the doctor here, "'was at that moment straining his ears for any possible sound. "'The smoking-room flanks straight on the drive, Mr. Headland.' "'He caught himself up just in time "'as he saw Cleek's almost imperceptible signal.' "'and then went on, his voice gaining in strength and fury with every word. "'I'm not a giant, am I? "'I couldn't have lifted Wynne alive and with his own assistance, "'much less lift him dead when he'd be a good sight heavier. "'Why, the thing's a tissue of lies, I tell you, "'a beastly underhanded, backbiting tissue of lies.' and if ever i get out of this thing alive i'll show borkins exactly what i think of him and why you should give credence to the story of a lying servant rather than to mine i cannot see at all would i have brought you here you a man whose name and even in the excitement which had him in its grip nigel felt cleek's will powerful compelling preventing his giving away the secret of his identity "'preventing his telling that it was the mastermind among the criminal investigators of Europe "'which was working on this horrible affair. "'He went on, still in a fury of indignation, "'but with the knowledge of Mr. Headland's true name still locked in his breast. "'Did I bring you here as a friend and give you every opportunity to work on this strange business?' "'to have you arraign me as a murderer? "'Do not treat me as a suspect, Mr. Detective. "'I am not on trial. "'I want this thing cleared up, yes, "'but I am not here to be accused of the murder of a man "'who was a guest in my own house "'by the very man I brought in to find the true murderer.' "'You haven't given me time to say whether I accuse you or not, Sir Nigel.' "'replied Cleek patiently. "'Now, if you'll permit me to speak, we'll take up this man's evidence. "'There are gaps in it that rather badly want filling up, "'and there are thin places which I hardly think would hold water before a judge and jury. "'But he swears himself a witness, and there you are. "'And as for believing his word before yours, who fired the shot, Sir Nigel?' "'Did he or did you? "'I am a representative of the law, "'and as such I entered your house.' "'Merriton made no reply, "'simply held his head a little higher "'and clasped the edge of the table more firmly. "'Now,' said Cleek, "'turning to the butler and fixing him with his keen eyes, "'you are ready to swear that this is true upon your oath,' and knowing that perjury is punishable by law? Yes, sir. Borkin's voice was very low and rather indistinct. Very well. Then may I ask why you did not immediately report this matter to the rest of the party, or to the police? Something flashed across Borkin's face and was gone again, "'He cleared his throat nervously before replying. "'I felt on me honour to Sir Nigel, sir,' he returned at length. "'A man stands by his master, you know, if he's a good one. "'And though we'd had words before, I didn't bear him no malice. "'And I didn't want the old house to come to disgrace.' So you waited until things looked a little blacker for him and then decided to cast your creditable scruples to the wind said Cleek the queer little one-sided smile traveling up his cheek I take it that you had had what you term words since that fatal date Borkins nodded he did not like this cross-examination "'and his nervousness was apparent in voice and look and action. "'Yes, sir. "'Hm. And if we put that to one side altogether, "'can you give me any reason why I should believe this unlikely story "'in place of the equally unlikely one that your master has told me, "'knowing what I do?' "'Borkins twitched up his head suddenly.' His eyes fear-filled, his face turned suddenly grey. "'I—I—what can you know about me "'but that I have been in the employment of this family nearly all my life?' "'He returned, taken off his guard by Cleek's remark. "'I'm only a poor, honest, working man, sir, "'been in the same place nigh on to twenty years, and— "'and hoping you can hang on another twenty, I dare say.' "'threw in cleek sarcastically. "'Oh, I know more about you, my man, than I care to tell. "'But at the moment that doesn't enter into the matter. "'We'll take that up later. "'Now then, there's the revolver. "'Doctor, you should be useful here, "'if you will use your professional skill "'in the service of the law that seems trying to embroil your friend.' "'I want you to examine the head-wound, please, the head-wound of the man called Dacre Wynne, and, if you can, remove the bullet that is lodged in the brain. Then we shall have a chance to compare it with those remaining in Sir Nigel's revolver.' "'I can't do it, Mr. Headland," returned Dr. Bartholomew firmly. I won't lend myself to a plot to inveigle this poor boy, to ruin his life. And I demand it in the name of the law. He motioned to Petrie and Hammond, who through the whole length of the inquiry had stood with dollops beside the doorway. They came forward swiftly. Arrest Dr. Bartholomew for treating the law with contempt. But But I say, Mr. Headland. "'This is a damned outrage!' "'Cleek held up a hand. "'Yes,' he said, "'I agree with you, but a very necessary one. "'Besides?' "'He smiled suddenly into the seamed, anxious face of the man. "'Who knows, but that bullet may prove Sir Nigel's innocence.' "'Who knows but that it is not the same kind as lie now in this deadly little thing here in my hand. "'It lies with you, Doctor. "'Must I arrest him now and take him off to the public jail to await trial, "'or will you give him a sporting chance?' "'The Doctor looked up into the keen eyes bent upon him, his own equally keen... He did not know whether he liked this man of the law or not. Something of the man's personality, unfortunate as had been its revelation during this past trying hour, had caught him in its thrall. He measured him eye for eye, but Cleek's never wavered. "'I've no instruments,' he said at last, hedging for time. "'I have plenty upstairs.' "'I have dabbled a little in surgery myself when occasion has arisen. "'I'll fetch them in a minute. "'You will?' "'The doctor stood up between the two tall policemen "'who had a hand upon either shoulder. "'His face was set like a mask. "'It's a damned outrage, but I will,' he said. "'Dollops was gone like a flash. "'In the meantime, Cleek cleared the room.' He sent Merriton off to the smoking-room in charge of Petrie and Hammond, and Borkins with them, though Borkins was to be kept in the hallway, away from his master's touch and voice. Cleek, Mr. Narkom, and the doctor remained alone in the room of death, where the doctor set to his gruesome task. Outside, Constable Robert's burly voice could be heard holding forth in the hall upon the fact that he'd been after a poacher on Mr. Jimison's estate over to Saltfleet, and wasn't in when they came for him. And the operation went quietly on. In the smoking-room, with Hammond and Petrie seated like deaf mutes upon either side of him, Merriton reviewed the whole awful affair from start to finish and felt his heart sink like lead in his breast. Oh, what a fool he had been to have these men down here. What a fool. To see them wilfully trumping up a charge of murder against himself was, well, it was enough to make any sane man lose hold on his reason. And Toinette, his little Toinette. If he should be convicted and sent to prison, what would become of her? It would break her heart. And he might never see her again. A sudden moisture pricked at the corners of his eyes. God! Never to call her wife! How long were those beasts going to brood in there over the dead? "'And was there not a chance that the bullet might be different? "'After all, wasn't it almost impossible that the bullet should be the same? "'His was an unusual little revolver, made by a firm in French Africa, "'having a different sort of cartridge. "'Every Tom, Dick and Harry didn't have one, couldn't afford it in the first place. "'There was a chance. Yes, certainly there was a chance.' His blood began to hammer in his veins again, and his heart beat rapidly. Hope went through him like wine, drowning all the fears and terrors that had stalked before him like demons from another world. He heard, with throbbing pulses, approaching footsteps in the hall. His head was swimming, his feet seemed loaded with lead so that he could not rise. Then, across the space from where Cleek stood, the revolver in one hand, and the tiny, black object that had nested in a dead man's brain in the other, came the sound of his voice, speaking in clear, concise sentences. He could see the doctor's grave face over the curve of Mr. Narkom's fat shoulder. For a moment the world swam. Then he caught the import of what Cleek was saying. "'The bullet is the same as those in your revolver, Sir Nigel,' he said concisely. "'I am sorry, but I must do my duty. "'Constable Roberts, here is your prisoner. "'I arrest this man for the murder of Dacre Wynne.' End of chapter 16